Hi, I'm Pastor James, and I want to welcome you to the weekend teaching ministry of Sunrise Church in Hillsborough, Oregon. Sunrise is a church devoted to being a safe place to hear a life-changing message. Our vision is to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so each weekend, we share a message of hope from God's Word, the Bible. Now, if you'd like to know more about discovering and growing in a relationship with the God who loves you, please visit our website at www.isunrise.com, I-S-O-N-R-I-S-E.com. Now, from there, you can learn how to connect with the God who loves you, grow along the journey of life with others, develop a heart to serve the least, the last, and the lost, and then learn how to lead other people to know Jesus Christ. Now, on to our weekend message. If you don't know this about me, I'm a, I'm a father. And before I, before I go any further with that statement, I want to clarify that it's a, to a dog, all right? And, it's, and that's, that's what you do when you're 26 and you're not ready for kids, you get a dog. Because it's, it's easier. It helps you realize even more how unprepared you are to be a parent. It's hard enough taking it out the potty every morning and everything else. You're just like, hey, you know, it, it, it's good. Because we, before we got the dog, Annie, my wife, she was like, man, I want to have like six kids. I'm like, what? And then we got a dog and she realized how much work it was. So she decides that three might be okay. I'm like, maybe we should get another dog. No, <laughs> no, no, no. no. I, I'm excited to have kids. I'm excited for that. Um, but that's what, that's what we do. And so, uh, funny enough, our dog is about four and a half years old. She's a yellow lab, um, and whatnot. And it's the, the journey of conversation on this started about five years ago when Annie sat down and was trying to have, um, a serious conversation with me about getting a dog. And, you know, we're just dating at this time. We only got married two years ago. And so we're, we're, she's kind of saying, you know, we should get a dog and, and this and that. And I'm like, no, no, we're not getting a dog. We'll wait till we get married, you know. Then it's like our dog more. I'm not so against dogs. I just want it to be like ours, you know. And it's going to be your family. And I know how your family is. You saw my father-in-law up here. It's like, you know, I'm, no, I love Eric. I love Eric. He's, he's, he's a big reason why I'm here. And, uh, and so, uh. But I'm like, man, I really just want it to be our dog, you know? And I got all these reasons and excuses and all this stuff for why we can't get a dog. And the truth is, some of you out there are thinking like, well, if you're just dating, Taylor, you really don't get a say in this. And I'm like, yeah, you're right, but I was too young to know any better. So so God, God's still growing me and maturing me, as you can see. And so reluctantly and like forcibly and not by my will... But by Annie's will, I'm in a car on the Sunday morning in July, back in 2012, driving up to Federal Way, Washington, to pick up a yellow lab. And uh, so we drive up there, and we're on our way up. And I remember it so well, because the check engine light went off on our way up there, in my parents' white Corolla. And I remember thinking, like, is this a sign? Should we turn around? This might be it. This could be God speaking. It was just an oil maintenance light, so we kept going. And so we, we keep going, and, and we find ourselves in uh, Home Depot, I think, parking lot. And we're parked in the back because we're meeting this lady because she's coming from Moses Lake, Washington. And we meet there, and we're kind of, you know, kind of excited. We're sitting in this parking lot, and I'm like, it's going to be a little puppy. I mean, it is going to be pretty cute, you know what I mean? And, uh, 
I'm super excited and a little bit kind of scared. And I'm like, we're sitting there. I'm like, it's just a dog, Taylor. Um, and uh, we're waiting. And Annie's waiting for a text message from this lady to pull up because we think we beat her to the parking lot. We're not sure. We're looking around and don't know. And all of a sudden, this crossover SUV pulls up into the parking spot next to us and then this lady driving who's giving us the dog and you can see this little yellow lab in her seat on sitting on top of her while she's driving and kind of like looking around I go oh here we go (laughs) and so what I find out is the first picture ever taken of Briggs is her name Brigadoon I haven't seen the movie um I know I'm a little young for that I've been told so I haven't seen it and but this is the first picture of her Brigadoon and this is what I had. I'm like, this isn't going to be so bad, all right? You know, I, God's softening my heart. And uh, so we love our Brigadoon. And we, uh, I kind of realized that this wasn't uh, how I thought it was all going to go, you know, because I start really falling in love with this dog. I really start having an affection for her. But I realized I got the easy side of it as well because um, we took her, you know, we drive her back. We go to her parents' house. And, you know, they're playing around with the dog and everything. And then all of a sudden I leave and I go home to where I live and I reside with my parents. And, and then I come back over and I play with the dog and I take it on walks and then I go back home again with my parents. And she, Brigadoon does all her pooping and peeing and staying up at night with Annie. And I'm like, this is easy. Like, this is awesome. I'm just going home. I come over. I have the fun. I leave. Like, this is, this is how it's supposed to be, right? This is parenting. I've got it. Dialed. It's only like 21 at the time. And so, uh, and, but I really start to fall in love with this dog. And eventually, you know, Annie and I get married two years ago and I, I kind of find myself in for a little rude awakening because I thought this was just going to be me and Annie. And I realize I'm adopting a dog in the process. Like actually the dog is coming to live with me now. And now it's older, so it's not as big of a deal, but it's bigger. That's the other side of it. And so I am, um, you know, I'm super excited. We just get married, you know, all of a sudden I'm, we're, we're set, you know, we got our bedroom set up. I'm bringing my queen size bed home, um, over from my room that I've had since eighth grade, you know, and First off, I slept in this bed by myself. That's what you need to remember. Like, this was my bed. I sprawled out across the sheets, everything. That's how I like to sleep. And I find out real quickly that I can't do that with another person in the room. And so all of a sudden, I've got my side of the bed, and he's got her side of the bed. And I think, okay, well, I'm going to have to get used to this. This is marriage. This is my wife. This is a woman. So it's pretty good, all right? But I quickly learn that that's not the only thing to expect because Brigadoon thinks, oh, there's room for me up there. Because Annie used to sleep with her in a twin-size bed before we got married. And I'm kind of like, okay, this is, this is not, this isn't what I signed up for. I bought you this nice Costco bed that's like almost like Tempur-Pedic for a dog, and I've got you up on my springboard mattress, okay? So I, what are you doing up here? And so she does what we call it is the snake dog. And so she, she sees spots right between us and she comes in and she gets straight just like that. And she lays in and we're kind of sleeping. I'm getting right to that sweet spot where I'm finally learning how to adjust with three bodies on a bed that I used to have by myself. And I kind of like, okay, I'm finally almost asleep. Yep. I'm right to that sweet spot. And then she decides that. It's time to go from this to this. 
And I'm like, okay, there's no room for me anymore. <laughs> That's great. It was my bed. I had this thing for 10 good years. And so I, I did what any logical person would do in this sense. And I went and I bought a king size bed. It was much easier that way. I was, it was just, it was, I wasn't going to win the argument. So I said, you know what? I'm just, you know, I'll, I'll let it slide. I'm just going <laughs> to, I know this dog has, has ruined the, ruined my house. So, <laughs> and, uh, I really, I really do fall. I started to fall in love with this dog. So it's, she's so excited to see me when I get home and, and I've really taken a position and a role with her because as she moved in as well, you know, I had to really, I had to knock some bad behaviors out of her. She was over at my in-laws house for the longest time. And, you know, they're very loving and affirming, but let her cut corners. And I was like, that's not allowed. Like that's, this isn't how it's going to work in this house. All right. Now you're my dog and you inherit my last name. It's going to be my way. (laughs) And so if you, if you think you're going to come over here and do what you want and lick the bowls and do that. No, 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 no. You think you're going to come and take your time out in my little two-acre field going to the... No, no, no. You go now. And so I got good at it. Annie is like the lover, you know, affirming, kisses her, all this stuff and everything. I go, I walk on the scene and she's out there running around. And so much that Annie will pull me in when she doesn't start coming in from going to the bathroom. And so I come out there. And I've, been, I've been really good at this because I use this voice a lot. And I point down at the ground because I think that's what parents do. I'm not really sure. And I go, now. And she looks at me. And either it's a two seconds I'm going to obey you or two seconds I'm disobeying you and I'm going that way. And I, just, I don't know. Sometimes I win, sometimes I lose. So I just, I kind of give up on that whole area. But I've been, she's, she's a much better behaved dog since I've been in the picture, all right? I've <laughs> been working on her a lot. She's only four and a half. We've got a long ways to go. Um, but uh, so... Like I said, Annie's the lover, the, you know, affirming her, caring for her. I'm the like, hey, sit now, you know, and she, when I walk in the room, I'm not that mean, but I'm, I'm kind of direct. And uh, so every once in a while we play this game and we put her in the middle of the room and I'm like, you know, after I've been all like lovey-dovey with her and all this stuff and we put her in the middle of the room and Annie's on one side, I'm on the other side. And I say, and we, we both start calling, come here at the same time and see who she'll go to. Nine times out of ten, I lose. So, and the only way I win is when I cheat and I have food. So, but I'm like, you sucker. Like, man, I've been taking care of you. I take you out in the middle of the night when you get all upset and you got to pee and all this stuff. And I'm the one who takes you out and you start whining. I throw the ball for you in the mornings. It's like, what am I chopped liver now? All of a sudden, like you get this person who will love you and affirm you and you pick her over me. It's like, I have lost influence with this dog. I'm like, this is not how it's supposed to be. This isn't, this isn't, you know, you listen to me every other time, but when she's in the room, I've lost all influence. And I'm like, some people are like, get used to it. <laughs> but, uh, I think it begs the question, and it's a, it's a bigger question today, is in our relationships and in our places, is when do, what happens when we lose influence in places that we once had or in environments where we once had them? Because over time, our influence in people's lives change. Our relationships change. And I think that's, that's a lot of it. And as we engage in relationships, as we, as we grow through the ages, we lose control, we lose influence, we lose the things we once had. And... Maybe, I mean, the question is whether it's, uh, maybe, maybe you're a parent and your kids, 
you know, that you just don't have the same influence in their lives anymore. And so, and what do you, what do you do when that happens? Do you, you, you run, you take a position of power and say, I'm the parents because I said so, you know, and it works for so long, you know, it does work for a while. Right. I mean, I was, I was a kid once I remember and you know, or, and do you just bulldoze through it? Because I don't think that works all the time. It, it works to a point. You know, what happens in you, if you're a boss or you're, you know, you're part of a team at work and you start to lose influence with your colleagues or your employees, you know, what do you do? Do you take the position of power and say, you know what, I'm the boss. We're going to do it this way. It's the best way. It's the only way. Or maybe within your team of people at work, you've lost influence within them and you try to kind of take back where you can and force yourself into the conversation when possible and come up with ideas that only you have. Or maybe it's within friendships and your friendships have kind of changed. You moved apart or maybe it's nothing's even that's happened, but you have lost influence within your friends and they don't listen anymore and they don't care what you have to say anymore. Or maybe it's within a relationship, right? Maybe you've lost influence within your relationship and what you have to say no longer matters. You know, you can't get that person the same way you did. You've lost control and even bigger. Maybe it's in your marriage. You know, and you've lost influence with your wife. You've lost influence with your husband and you try to demand your own way. You, you, you try to tell them how it's going to be. You try to argue, you try to yell, you try to push yourself in and there's lots of ways to go about it. There's lots of ways to go when you've lost influence and very rarely do we ever go the route of love and affirmation and encouragement and build up and come in with this message of hope and this message of surrender. And so today we're going to look at a passage of scripture where these religious leaders come in and they, they take a look at Jesus and they ask him this question. They say, who do you get your authority from? And they're mad and they're upset because you know why Jesus has gained the influence and they've lost it. And so we look at a perfect example today of why that happened and why it continues to happen in our lives. And so as we open up the scripture today, we'll just go to Matthew 21 verse 23. Start off the get go. When Jesus returned to the temple and began teaching, the leading priests and elders came up to him. They demanded, by what authority are you doing all these things? Who gave you the right? See, Jesus is in the temple. Remember, we just got done last week talking about how Jesus comes into the temple and cleanses it. He throws tables everywhere. He's throwing it. He says, this is not how my father's house should be. This isn't what it should look like. This isn't how it's supposed to be. And so he goes in and he cleanses it, cleanses it. He takes out all the robbers and the thieves and these people that are in there taking money, right? And so as we kind of look at that, this is the next day. This is the day after Jesus returns to the temple. He goes in there, he's teaching. And I ask the question, what is he teaching about? He's teaching about this kingdom of God that he was always teaching about. He's teaching, teaching about this message of inclusion and this message of power and this message of love and forgiveness and the kingdom of God and who is welcomed and what it looks like and who, what's here. This is the message. And so it's in the middle of this message that he's teaching these people that these Pharisees, these Sadducees, these religious leaders show up on the scene and they say, by what authority are you doing all these things? Who gave you this right? And what you need to understand from where they come from, these, these religious leaders, is that they had to earn their credentials. They had to earn their authority to be able to teach the law, to be able to, 
to give judgment about the law. And so as they come on the scene, they say, why are you coming and throwing tables like you did yesterday? How come you're teaching like this with such authority about the, about the laws before, about this kingdom of God? How, how are you doing this? Why can you do this? Who are you? Because when they would teach, they would actually, when the religious leaders would be, they would teach about the law, they would, they would cite, they would, they would cite the rabbi before them because they would spend years under a rabbi, under a teacher, and at the right time they would be ordained to go out and teach the law. And so as they taught it to people and they're teaching about, they would look back and they would quote the rabbi before them. They, and who would also have quoted the rabbi before them, which would c- consider them authorized, consider them ordained, given this ability to teach others. And so it's a very prestigious system. It's a lot of work goes into it. And if you don't have that, then you're not allowed to teach. That's the bottom line. And Jesus didn't have that. He didn't have any of that. And so as we, as we kind of look at the picture, Jesus is really smart because he goes and he asks the question. He, his response is a question. And so we'll see that in the next verse in 24. It says, I'll tell you by what authority I do these things if you answer one question. It's a very teacher thing to do, a very rabbi thing to do. You answer with a question. You answer with a question. But not only that, they're trying to, what they really want to do is they want to accuse Jesus of blasphemy. They want him to say that his authority comes from God. And by doing that, they can get him out of the picture and they can get influence and control back and they can have their little party of them at the top and these authority positions ruling over the people of the religious. And so this is, this is why, that's why they ask the question. And Jesus goes, well, hang on a second. Two can play that game. Let me ask you a question. But also using a technique that would have been very common. And so by asking that question, though, he's getting to the state of their hearts. And by them answering that question, they would actually get the answer to their question. And so as we look at this and we go a little bit further into the scripture, it says, Jesus asked them, did John's authority to baptize come from heaven or was it merely human? They talked about it, talked, talked it over among themselves. If we say it's from heaven, he will ask us why we didn't believe John. But if we say it was merely human, we'll be mobbed because the people believed John was a prophet. So they finally replied, we don't know. And Jesus responded, then I won't tell you by what authority I do these things. Now, Jesus. John, if we, we got to go back and look at his ministry, we got to kind of, because Jesus is pointing to him. So if we look back at John's ministry, J- John came on the scene before Jesus and he had a very powerful ministry um, and he would preach a very similar message to Jesus, um, focused on this hot, repent of your sins, change your heart, be baptized, come to know God. And he speak and John was speaking this very similar message though, that all are invited you can be included in this. This is, he's preaching in a message of inclusion and it's a message of hope saying, all you've got to do is repent. You repent and you're invited into this. And it was a very successful ministry. It was very successful to the point that everyone that's sitting around this conversation, witnessing it between Jesus and these religious leaders would believe 100% in their heart, dang near that John was a prophet. They believe that John was a prophet. And so these, these religious leaders are put in a tough spot because they've got to come up with an answer to Jesus' question. And you see them here debating it. Because if they say that, Jesus is, that John's authority came from God, well, the problem with that is that John prophesied, pointed to Jesus and said, this guy's the Messiah. And so if his authority came from God, then Jesus is who he says he is. And that puts them in a tough spot. They can't say that. They lose power. They lose influence. Or if they say it's from, if they say it's human, then the people are going to get even more mad because they said they believed he was the prophet. 
And so therefore they would lose their influence as well. So they're making a decision based off of where their influence comes from, based off their control. They're afraid of losing control. They're losing their authority. And the reality of this whole story that we see here is that the religious leaders never had a chance. Never had a chance. Because they came with this message of follow the law, follow these regulations, do this, do that, figure this out. You need to do this if you want to know God. You've got to do this if you want to follow the laws of the temple. You've got to do this. Being told, telling these people what to do. And by doing this, they put in this heavy burden of all these laws that Jesus, that the Old Testament commanded them to follow. And then they were also putting extra laws on side of, outside of that law. So they wouldn't, for some reason, break the original laws that were handed down in the Old Testament. So these Pharisees just created law after law after law. Rules after rules after rules to follow. And it was just this heavy burden at the end of the day that these people would have to adhere to. And so they're used to being told what to do. They're used to being marginalized. They're used to being on the outside. They're used to not being welcomed in on this kingdom. And Jesus shows up on the scene and he preaches a different message. He speaks a different message. He speaks to the heart and the soul. And it's a message for you and I today. And he speaks about this kingdom of God. And it's a message of inclusion. It's a message of power. It's a message, no matter how far you have fallen, that there is hope. And that no matter how dark it is, there's a light and it's a message of together coming together as people. It's a message that says everyone's invited. You just got to repent, turn to God. It's a message of forgiveness. It's a message of love. It's a, it's a story of a guy who goes to the cross and dies for the sins of the world. Who's teaching this. It's the most powerful message. It's, It speaks right to the soul of who we are and what we desire. And it speaks to the soul of these people back then as well, who have been pushed to the side, who have been pushed out. And he says, no, 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 no. In my kingdom, you're welcomed. In my kingdom, this is what it looks like. You're blessed. You're blessed when you're at the end of the rope. You're blessed when you show mercy. You're blessed when you've been persecuted. You're blessed. And that's the message And so which message is going to win? Every single time, it's that message. It's the gospel message. It's this message right here that wins every time. And it won back then, and it wins today. But as Jesus is speaking this to these people, he's been able to influence them. He's been able to have a power and a say in their lives with this message. And so my question for you today is, is, where, who's the authority in your life? Where does the influence in your life come from? Does it come from people or does it come from Jesus? Where is that? Who is that? See, I think when it comes from people, we've got, we've got all kinds of family members. We've got all kinds of friends. We've got all kinds of opinions that'll tell us what to do, what to wear, how to go about our lives, where we should go to school, where we should do the different things in our lives, what kind of job we should have, how we should run our finances, how we should do this. There's a lot of things out there that tells us how to live our lives. A lot of things. No, you shouldn't get a dog. No, you shouldn't do this. We got all kinds of opinions out there. You open up the magazine, you take one scroll through Facebook, check your newspaper, 
They'll tell you how to live your life. They'll tell you what you should look like. They'll tell you what to wear. Because influence is so powerful in our culture today. And some of those influences are so negative. They're so powerful in our lives. And they, and they put us in this place where these people find themselves. It's trying to keep up with the burden and the have-tos. And I got to do this and I got to do that to fit in. But if you let the gospel influence you, if you let Jesus be the authority in your life, it's a different, it's a different influence. It's a different, it's, you start loving people that maybe don't deserve to be loved. You start forgiving people that don't deserve to be forgiven. You start bringing people in that are on the outside. You start coming together as people. Wherever we are, wherever our backgrounds are, it's one of the beautiful things about sunrise. It's a lot of people with different backgrounds, different stories. And that's what the gospel does. And so if that's influencing your life, you speak a different message. You influence people in a diff- different way. And that's why I want to lead on to this next idea. Is careful what you say and what you do because you have influence. Everyone in this room has influence more than they've ever had before. And I'd say, I know I'm kind of young and stuff like that. And social media was not, has kind of came, came up in my era of growing up and stuff like that. But man... You had to gain influence back in the day. You had to gain that by building relationships with people and being able to speak into their lives. And it's not the same anymore. Now you can do one post and it, you can influence the world. One, one, one share, and man, you have, you have shared your opinion with so many people. And so I want to tell you today that you have influence and you matter and people listen to what you say, even if you don't think that because everything you post, everything you do, someone's reading, someone's watching, someone's looking at, and you have the ability to influence others. You have that. And everything you share, every word you speak, it can be from what society tells you, or it can be from what the gospel tells you. And you have that power. You have that ability. And you, can change, and you can change the world with that. But how you change it and what you speak matters. And it comes from all of us. And we have more influence today than we've ever had before. And whatever you post, whatever you share in conversations, whatever you do today is powerful. It goes beyond you, which is so crazy to think. But we live in a society where it's the truth. And it goes beyond us. And it, it goes to the people. And it goes to the ends of the earth, really. I mean... But this message of influence and power is how we speak in the people's lives. And you can influence from what culture tells us, or you can influence people from what the gospel tells us. And because the reality is, is that Jesus goes to the cross. He goes to the cross of Calvary and he spreads his arms wide and he, and he does the most impossible thing, the most servant like thing. And the most crazy thing is that he dies for the sins of the world. It's like, what? It's like, what does that mean? He goes to all the places, all our shortcomings, all the things we couldn't do in our lives and where we fall short. And he says, I'm going to take that upon me. And where you're not living it out very well, I'm going to take that upon me. And where you've fallen, I'm going to take that upon me. And I'm going to wear it on that cross. And I'm going to die for you. And I'm going to die for them in this story as well. These people of that time. And he goes up there and he dies. And it's a story of love. It's a story of bringing people together. He dies for those who don't even know him. He dies for those who put him up there. 
It's the ultimate story of love. It's the ultimate story of inclusion and bringing people together for one thing. The gospel. And he does it. And as he goes to the cross, eventually he dies on the cross, right? And then he rises again and he appears to his disciples. And in one of those last encounters with his disciples, he shares a couple words with them. He shares some very powerful things with them and leaves them with one last message, one, one last thing. And we see it in Matthew 28, and we call it the Great Commission, but it's a reason of why we have built this church today, that God has built this church today, that Pastor James leads this church today, is that we want to go and we want to make disciples. And it comes out of this first. But Jesus tells them, he says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Jesus has been given all authority because he went to the cross. The Father has given Jesus authority. And what does Jesus do with that authority? What does he do? He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Those are his, one of his last final words to us. He has all the authority in the world. And so what's he do with it? He says, I'm going to give it to my disciples. You guys have been with me for three years. You've been spending three years with me, learning everything I do, watching everything I do, seeing me cast out demons, watching me perform miracles, hearing me speak about the kingdom of God and what it's like. You know what I've been doing. And so now go show others. And so he speaks it into these men and these men go out and they speak it in others and they baptize and they're the ones who start the church. And then the people that they teach also teach others and it keeps reciprocating itself and it keeps going down through time until eventually it reaches where we're at today as Sunrise Church and other churches in the nation and the world. And it's the reason we exist right here because Jesus goes to the cross and he dies and he's given all authority and he hands it down. And so he gives us all authority because he gives us the gospel. And it's the message that wins every single time. Because it's unlike any other message that's out there. Because it includes a savior. And it includes our depravity. And he takes our depravity and he dies for it. And he brings us in and he says, now go. Now go. I've given you it. This message wins every time. Go and teach people. It's show them this. Show them the love of Christ. Influence people for the gospel. Influence people for Jesus. Change the way you live. Do it this way. Repent of your sins and live it out so other people can have freedom. Other people can have the light in their life. They don't have to live this way. They don't have to follow their addictions. They don't have to follow this wreck of a life down this path because it's not all about that. There's more than that. And Jesus wanted to show us that. And it's a message that wins. It won then. It wins today. It's a reason it's still here. It's the message that has outlived time. And it's the most powerful thing. And he's given it to us. And sometimes we're afraid to go out and share it. We're afraid because we're afraid it doesn't work. Every single time it wins because there's nothing like it. It's love. It's inclusion. It's bringing people together. It's saying, go and live your lives different than everyone else. And I'm going to show up. Go and influence people with my words, with what my greatest act. Because I died for them and show them that love that I would go to the cross for them. And I would give it all for them. Show them that. Live that out. Don't let that end right here. 
And it's why we exist. It's why we do what we do at Sunrise. We want to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We want to bring people in. We want to make disciples. We want to make more people that are teaching the gospel and living it out every single day. We don't want it to stop right here. We want it to go out these doors because it's, it's bigger than this room. It's so much bigger than that. We want to change Hillsborough and Washington County and the church of the world. Like that's what we want to do. And that's why we're doing connect classes. And that's why we're doing grow classes. That's why we're doing all this stuff because we want to just equip you guys. We want to equip ourselves to go out and live this out. And it's so easy. It's such a simplified message. It really is. There's a guy who died for us, even though you don't know him, you know, that's what you tell people. And you show them how it is and how you live your life and your actions. And you influence them that way. You have power among people. And Jesus has given you that authority. But I got to back up for a second because not everyone's been given that authority. See, the, the only people that have been given that authority are people that have come to that moment in their life where they have surrendered to Christ, where they have given their lives to Christ. They have taken Christ, and even though he has authority over all heaven and earth, they've taken him from a position of power, and they surrendered their life to him, and so they bring him to a level where he can influence their decisions. That's what surrendering your life is all about. It's taking Jesus and saying, hey, you may not know him, you may not do that, but we believe that he has power over heaven and earth. He has all authority. And it's saying, I want to surrender my life to you. And when you surrender your life to someone, you allow them to come in, they have influence in the way you live your life. You bring them down to a level. You allow them to come down to that level in your life. It changes how you live. And some of you have not done that. Many in this room have, but there's people in here who haven't. And so I want to do something that's a little bit different today as we end. I want to ask two questions, and one is for those who don't know Jesus and have never surrendered their life to him, have never come to the end of themselves moment and say, hey, you know, I I want to give it all to you, Jesus. I want to surrender this life. I understand my sins got me down this road, and I, I don't need a, I need a savior. I need hope. I need a light in a dark place. And that's who this message is for. And that's why he went to the cross. And so this is an opportunity to surrender your lives to Christ. Surrender and allow him to influence you. Influence the way you live. Influence those around you. And so I want to give you that opportunity. I'm going to ask you that question today. But I also want to ask a second question right behind that. And that's for all of us in here as a community, as Sunrise Church, as the church, as a body and gathering of believers. Is that, you know, we've got areas in our lives we've got to surrender to Christ. We got things that we're hanging on to, places that we don't want God to come into. We got things that we just, we hold on and we say, you can come this far, but you can't come any further. I don't want to surrender that to you because I need control of that still. We'll let him be the God of most areas, but maybe not all areas. And we as a church, we have to make that decision together. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask both those questions in order. And I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And with, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, because what happens is that I know there's when worship comes on and we get there and some people raise their hands and some don't. And that's fine. I'm not here to say that, but I know I sit there in the back sometimes and I don't raise my hands. I don't do that, even though I feel like I should, because I don't, I'm like, I'm just, I'm happy where I'm at. And I, I but usually it's a state of my heart. It's a state of where I'm at conditionally because I won't raise my hands because I'm not really ready to surrender it to God and I want to hang on to it. And so 
I always say, I have you raising your hands, doing this is, is a posture of your heart. Your physical being, the physical awareness, the physical posture is a posture of where your heart's at. And so I know when I raise my hands and I put them up, I'm saying, God, I need you and I want to surrender this area to you. And so that's why I'm going to ask you to raise your hand as a posture of surrender, a posture of saying, Lord, I need more of you. And so we're all going to get an opportunity to do that. But I want to start with those first in this room who haven't been given this authority and have never surrendered their life to Christ. And so I'm going to have you all bow your heads, close your eyes. I really want this to just be an intimate moment between you and God. And so for those in this room, God, that are never known you. You know, they, they've heard a lot of stories about you, maybe some things here and there, God, been on the edges, maybe been in and out of church. I, I, I don't know, God, you know where people are at. You know where we're at. And so for those of you that are at this moment in your life and you've never surrendered to Christ, I'm going to ask you to say this prayer with me. And it, just, just something along these words, you know, dear God, I want to surrender my life to you. I want, to, I want to give it to you. I, I believe you went to the cross and you died for my sins and my failures. And I believe that you rose again. You died and you rose again and you conquered death. And now I want to surrender my will and my life to you, God. I want to, I want to give it all to you because I know my own way leads to my own destruction and depravity and I need a savior. And so I surrender it all to you and choose to follow you. And so if you said that prayer, you said that here, all heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Would you just raise your hand? Would you just raise your hand? Thank you. Thank you. You know, maybe there's a couple people out there that you're, you're allowing other people in the room to influence your courage between you and God right now. And I just want to challenge you. I want to, I want to give you that opportunity to just say, hey, this is, this is a moment between you and God. And this is a chance to surrender. This is eternity at stake. This is surrendering lordship. And so there's an opportunity. You just raise your hand. You just give that up there. Just surrender it to Christ. And allow him to be the Lord of your life. Thank you. Thank you. And now I want to I want to move on to us as a church because we're all in this together. It's not it's not just it because we're welcoming people into the family now. We have some people who raise their hands and that's awesome. I love it. But now us as a church, we're we need a savior and we know that. And we while we've surrendered our lives to Christ, we need to surrender some areas to to Him, some areas that we haven't been willing to give Him. And we keep holding on to them and we give them and then we pull back. And so this is just an opportunity. I'm just going to encourage you to raise your hand right now. If you've got areas, I'm raising my hand and we're all in this together. We're a church body. And, you know, this isn't about people around us. This is about following Jesus. And this is just areas that we just got to surrender. Head bowed, eyes closed. This is between you and God. And I, I know I've got areas. We've all got areas we're working on. Just keep them high right now. Just we're, we're, This is a posture of surrender to God. Just saying, God, I need you. I need you in these areas. I need you in different areas, aspects of my lives. And so I just want to thank you for that. You can put your hands down. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up and I'm just going to just pray us out this morning. And uh, I'm just going to encourage you that, uh, you know, if there's areas in your life, just come forward and pray with people. So Lord, I just, uh, 
I just thank you for all of us, all of us in this room. We've, we've gathered this morning and we, we need a savior. We know that. And you gave it to us in your son, which is such a beautiful gift, a gift of love. And we just, uh, we have areas in our lives though, God. And I just, I just, that we just got to surrender to you areas, things that we just keep holding on to. It's control, it's finances, it's money, it's, it's, it's relationships, God. It's, there's so many things that we just hold on to and try to keep control of. And I just pray, God, that we would just surrender those areas to you and we would make you the Lord over those areas, that we would make you the God of those areas, God. Man, we, we need you. We, we need a savior running towards us. And so then there's some of us in this room, God, we, we just haven't known you. We didn't even know there was such a, a message of power and a message of that we're invited in on. And so I just want to pray for those people this morning that have just, you know, they've surrendered their life to Christ and they, they want to, they want to know you more. And so I'm just praying for them as they walk out and they, they're going to face this world and challenge. And I just invite them in, invite them into what we're doing as a church. We're all in this together. We're, we're running towards you together. God, this isn't just, this isn't just us. This is a community of people. We're in this together. And may we just surrender as a church, as a body, to your authority, God, to your influence in our lives. And may it just come out of us as we live our lives, squeeze out of us as we just love others. In Jesus' name, amen.